The following audio is from a sermon series entitled, Money Matters. For more information about Sacred City Church, please visit sacredcitychurch.com. Hear the word of the Lord. From the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. <clears throat> my name is Justin, and I am one of the pastors here. It's my joy to be with you this morning. Um, I love you, and I'm looking forward to spending some time in the Word together this morning. But before we do, I want to give a quick little update for our members This year, we are wanting to bring on a couple of young men to train for the work of the ministry. We want to bring on a youth pastor resident and also a church plant resident, Lord willing. So far, we have had uh, three applicants for the pastoral residency, and we've had none for the church planting residency so far. So keep praying for that. Keep praying that God would bring uh, that man to us. And then I told our members at the beginning of the year in order for us to do this, we would need to basically increase our monthly income five dollars to $7,000 per month. Uh, right now, our monthly budget is about $42,000 a month. Uh, we're hoping to increase that to forty-seven to fifty in order to train these men for ministry. And I, I told all of our members that I would begin to give a quick um, update every month on our progress towards that goal. And just to kind of do that right now and to catch us all up, in February, um, Sacred City Church, we all gave uh, $44,123. And that is just over $2,000 over our budget. And it was a short month. So some of us, you know, there's only whatever, however many days, 28 days. So thank you. We are about uh, one-third of the way toward our goal. So thank you, Sacred City Church members, for your generosity. And uh, please continue to give and please continue to pray that God would bring the future church planter to us to train, equip, and send out. All right, there's that. Now let me pray and let's jump into it this morning. Uh, Father, we ask that you would uh, get us in the right frame of mind right now, that you would get our hearts where you want them to be. We've already confessed that we wander from you, that we walk away from you, sometimes willfully and sometimes just because life is hard and distractions abound and we have an enemy. Father God, so it's hard sometimes to be in the right frame of mind and the right heart. And so we confess our dependency on you for that and we say, we are weak, we are prone to wander. Lord, would you come and would you do the work that you need to do in us and on us right now? Father, I confess my own weakness. I need your help this morning. I need you to think through my mind and speak through my vocal cords. I need you to give me the right heart. I need you to help me deliver the message that you want me to preach. And I pray that your people would hear everything you want them to hear. That you would soften hearts so that your word can go forth and land in a heart that is prepared to receive the word of God so that that heart can go out and bear fruit. God, no human being can do this on their own. 
And so I pray that you would do this for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we are beginning a five-week sermon series we are calling Money Matters. Um, Just to let everyone know, typically we work verse by verse through books of the Bible, but after we get done with long books, we just finished the book of Revelation last week, Um, and after we do books of the Bible, typically we do a couple kind of topical series that we need to hit um, and before we jump back into uh, another book of the Bible. And so over the next weeks, we're going to be talking about money. Now, I know everybody's like, yes! That's why you're here this morning, right? Now, the first thing we need to address is why should we be talking about money in church? Isn't church where you go to talk about spiritual stuff? And isn't money just, you know, worldly? Well, the surprising answer to those questions is when you go to the Bible, the Bible has a lot to say about money. And we need to talk about money because the Bible talks about money a lot. Jesus talked about money a lot. And what we find in the word of God and in the words of Jesus is that this, listen, the way we, I'm gonna go, we're jumping in on the moving train right now. Okay, here it comes. The way we handle our money might be the best way to determine our true spiritual condition. That's what that was right there, okay? For all of us in this room, there are no people that are excluded from this slap from the word of God, all right? I want you to just hear it. Let me say it one more time. The way we handle our money might be the best way to determine our true spiritual condition. That is a shocking statement. The way we handle our money shows what we believe about God. Now, I know that many of you are nervous right now. Some of you are angry. Now, we're, many of us are probably nervous, and we're, we're, maybe we're all nervous, and we're nervous for different reasons. Some of us, to put it simply, worship money. It's how we find our meaning in life, our significance, our worth, our value. And so we get really nervous when people talk about money. It's our God, and we get nervous when people poke at our God. Others have heard preachers or ministries preach a false gospel that promises if you give your money, then God will give you health and wealth and whatever you want. All you have to do, if you're lacking in something, all you have to do is give more money to this ministry or to this preacher or to this thing. And that false gospel often called the prosperity gospel, is a lie and should be condemned full stop. I personally came to faith in a church like that. And it took me a long time to see how contrary to the true gospel it is. And so in some ways, I have PTSD when it comes to the topic of money. 
In fact, in seven years of preaching at Sacred City, this is our first ever sermon series on money. Why? Well, honestly, I didn't want to run some of you off. I talked to a lot of people before planting the church, people that didn't know Christ, and the number one thing they said about the church was that the church just wants my money. Now, I could have just turned that question around on them and say, oh, so the number one reason you don't want to go to church is because you don't want to give your money. Oh, I see, right? But I didn't do that. Instead, I said, you know what? I'm going to back off. I'm going to back off. We won't talk about it as much. And we'll see what God does. So just to let you know, if you're nervous this morning, so am I. <laughs> and I have a lot of lights on me, okay? <laughs> but listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you read your Bible, you will quickly realize that your money, though off, off limits to your friends and off limits to your neighbors and off limits to your family members, is not off limits to God. There are over 2,350 Bible verses about money. Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell combined. He spoke about money and possessions more than any other single issue in Scripture. I want you to hear this. 15% of all of his recorded words were on the subject of money. Why? Why wouldn't he spend time talk, more time talking about meaning, value, purpose? Why did he spend so much of his time talking about money? Well, the answer is because there is a powerful relationship between our true spiritual condition and our attitude and actions concerning our money and our possessions. There is something special about money. It matters deeply to us, right? And it matters to God. Now, I don't, wanna, I don't want you to misunderstand me, and there, we're gonna start kind of from ground zero this morning. Why does money matter to God? Money doesn't matter to God because he's in, somehow in need of it. Deuteronomy 10, 14 says this. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth and all that is in it. This isn't something in just found in one place. Psalm 89, 11 says this. The heaven are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. And so this is the, mo the first and most important lesson that we need to learn when it comes to money. God owns it all. God owns it all. He is not needy in any way. Now listen, I want you to just take that in. Think about it. 
God doesn't need your money at all. God already owns it all. Heaven is his. Earth is his. The human race is his. The galaxies belong to him. All the resources. Who put the gold where the gold is? Who turns, right, the carbon to diamond? He owns it all, right? He knows where all the resources are. It's all his. It's in his back pocket. He could get it if he ever needed it. He could get it. Or he could make more. He is eternally valuable in and of himself. He needs nothing from us. This is the first lesson we have to digest and come to understand and come to believe. God owns it all. He does not need to beg, steal, or borrow from anyone. Now, here's the deal. If that's true, and God doesn't need our money, then how can it matter to him? How, how can that matter to God? Well, to put it simply and straightforward, money matters to God because it is a matter of stewardship. See, Jesus tells this parable and that was Jesus' favorite way of teaching, telling stories that had meaning. And he tells this parable in Matthew 25, and it's called the parable of the talents. And don't think of talent as whatever talent you have. A talent is money, okay? It's a, it's a kind of money. It's, a, it's an amount of money. So here it is. Jesus tells a story about the parable of money. And here's the parable. An owner is leaving for a while and he's leaving the country. So he calls all of his stewards together, all of his servants together. And he says, listen, while I'm gone, I need you to take care of my property for me. Property owner, servants, okay? Property owner says, I have to leave. I'm going to entrust some of my property to you and I want you to manage it for me. I want you to steward it for me, okay? That's the whole goal. These men are now his stewards. They are responsible for using and managing and investing his property wisely. If they manage their money well, his money well, and some of them do, Jesus says this, you have been faithful over a little, I will make you a ruler over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Do you see this? He says, here's a little bit of money. If you're faithful with it, I will give you more. To those who are not faithful, they're not good stewards, they're not good investors, they're not good invest managers of the, the owner's property. Jesus says, everything you have will be taken from you and you're gonna enter into a dark place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's what Jesus says. Okay? That whole parable was meant to shape our understanding of money. It's meant to teach us that we are not owners. We're stewards of God's possessions, God's resources. Here it is. God owns it all, 
but we are the stewards of his resources. A steward is one who manages the possessions of another. This might be the most important mind shift that you have this morning. Think about it. We don't own anything. We're merely stewards. The money that you own isn't yours. It's God's. He, as the owner of it all, has chosen to funnel it into your hands. Maybe funnel it through your hands. He has, Deuteronomy tells us, given us all the power to get wealth. What does that mean, that God's given us the power to get wealth? It means this. He determined where you would be born, right? Here and not, you know, ancient China, right? He, deter- he gave you your IQ. He gave you your DNA. He gave you your unique family dynamics that caused you to choose that college or that career path. God gave you your life experiences. He gave you your personal talents. He gave gave you your unique opportunities. He got you where you are right now. And he's done that for a very specific reason. Everything you've accomplished has been guided and orchestrated by God. And for the Christian, what does it mean? See, for the Christian, we do more than just, right? That's like the the Academy Award thing, right? Like, oh, I couldn't do this without God, right? That's, God doesn't want this from you. He is the owner. We are the steward. He funnels resources to us so that we can steward our resources well. We obey the Father in the way we use his money. We are to direct our money to go where God wants it to go. It's his money. We're merely the stewards. That's why he gives it to us in the first place. But as we, we're going to see as we read on in, this, in Matthew chapter 6 and next week specifically, for the person who lives their life spiritually blind, they live as if their money is their own. See, they think they're owners, not stewards. And here's what's sad. For those of us who live like we're owners... We are like Esau. Do you remember the story of Esau, Jacob and Esau? It's actually a pretty funny story. We've preached through the book of Genesis. And Jacob, um, Jacob was, his name means deceiver, and Jacob was a deceiver. He was a tricksy little man, all right? And back in that day, the firstborn, Esau, had all the rights to the family. If you had you're the firstborn, you're getting the, the, the biggest sum of the family inheritance. You're getting whatever trade your parents had, that's what you get. And so it paid to be the firstborn. Well, one day, Esau, he's a little bit of a meathead, and he, was, he came in 
starving, so hungry. And Jacob, Jacob was a little bit of a mama's boy. That's what the story tells us. He liked cooking. He liked being with mama. And he was in there whipping up one of his favorite beef stew recipes. It was literally called meat stuff. That's what it says in the text. It's hilarious. Make us some meat stuff. And Esau comes in and says, I'm so hungry. Jacob, the brilliant deceiver, the young man trying to get one up on his older brother goes, I got some of this meat stuff for you. All it takes is if you give me your inheritance. And like a good meathead older brother, they go, I don't even, what good is my inheritance? I'm starving. Right? Gobbles up the meat stuff, gobbles up the resources right in front of him and then realizes he made a grave mistake. And he traded a bowl of stew for the rights of a firstborn. He traded immediate gratification for long-term satisfaction. See, this kind of mindset, I'm hungry right now. That's all that matters. This mindset is what Jesus is addressing in Matthew 6. This is his famous, most famous sermon in all the world. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says in this, in our text today, here's the deal. He says, there are two places that you can invest the money that God has given you. Two. Two treasuries. You can invest the treasury on earth or you can invest your money in the treasury of heaven. Now, let's take a look at these two treasuries. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Here's what Jesus says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Okay, treasury number one, bank account number one. Earthly, the earthly bank account, the earthly treasure. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now, what I want us to see here is this is the bank account. This is the investment strategy that has high risk and low reward. Okay, hear me. I don't say no reward, right? Esau got a reward. He, he got his belly full of stew. That was a genuine reward. Now, was it as good as, wait, hold on, buddy. Just chill out for a little while and get lunch when it comes. You know, you're intermittent fasting right now. Just get your meal later, and then you'll ha still have your, you know, your inheritance. Right? That's what, he, that's what he should have done. Jesus is not telling us here that all investment in the world is bad. He's saying this investment on earth has high risk, low reward. What are those risks? Well, our resources clearly are negatively impacted by moth, rust, thieves. Now, Jesus could have went on. Fires consume. Floods destroy. 
markets crash, governments seize, enemies attack, investments tank, right? Jesus is drawing our attention that this world, any investment we make in this world, there's a high risk there, right? There's a high risk. Listen, if you, you realize this on a, on a small scale. Every time you buy your kids clothes, if you have kids like mine, right? You buy these kids clothes and they literally come home and there's holes in the knees. You're like, what, what, is, what is that? It was gym class. I'm like, I was going for the ball. I'm like, those are brand new pants. You tore them that quick. We know you buy your kids stuff, it gets ruined, right? Now, I remember kind of this adjustment when I used to think like anything you buy, it's just going to stay nice forever, right? You're going to invest in it. I remember the first time I, I think I learned this was when I bought my first grill. I was like, I'm going to stay in the steel grill. I'm going to have this thing forever. The next year, the bottom's rusted out of it. I have to buy another grill? I thought the grill thing was checked off and now I could move on to other things that I need to invest my money in. But no, oh, this grill thing is going to have to be like a perpetual investment in my life. I have to buy a new grill for the rest of my life every two to three years. This, this is not good, right? And everything we buy, everything we invest in is similar to that. Our vehicles wear out. Our homes do not stay in the same condition that when we purchase them right? They need constant investment. Jesus is drawing our attention to this reality, but we must be careful. Jesus does not say earthly treasures are in themselves bad. He isn't teaching asceticism, and asceticism, asceticism is the belief that it's better to be poor, the belief that it's better to dress poorly or have a poor or have a, you know, a car that just barely gets us there, right? We're not like those rich people out there just pouring all their investments in this world. I want a car that just, just barely gets me there. Jesus likes my hoopty better, right? No. See, asceticism is the practice of strict self-denial as a measure of personal or spiritual discipline. Somehow it's spiritually better to be poor or to not have nice things. That's not what Jesus is teaching. Here's what he's doing. He's comparing and contrasting investment strategies. Listen, there's people that work in the investment industry in, in this room, and these people know what I'm talking about. They know how hard their job is almost impossible. They sit down in front of us, and they try to convince us to think about our long-term investment strategy, right? They're like, don't buy the car right now. If you give this, here's what they all say, right? We're 20. They sit down with a 20 year old and they're trying to convince this 20 year old. Listen, I know $300 a month is a huge sacrifice for you right now. But if you start now and you invest it here, here it is, right? And you invest this by the time you're 40, you're going to have this much. And by the time you're 60, you're going to have this much. And that 20 year old's going $300. That's a car payment, bro. It's a car payment. I could be driving that car right now. And the investment, please, please, please. And we're like, I want my meat stuff. <laughs> meat stuff fills my belly right now. Now, Jesus is doing this, but he's doing this on an eternal perspective, with an eternal perspective. 
Look at the second treasure, treasury. So don't lay up treasures on earth, but, verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where look, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. What's he saying? There is a place to put your money. There is a place to put your treasure that the things of this world cannot get at. It is low risk, high reward. Now I got, did you make that little slide for me, Mackenzie? I forgot to check up on that. I need that little picture thing. Very complex slide I had made. There it is, very complex. Okay, this is my artistic ability here. This is what Jesus is saying, and this is what I want us to see. Two bank accounts. See that dot? That dot is your life. See that line? That line is eternity. You can make investments in the dot, and that's where they stay. And you have a very limited time to enjoy those investments, by the way. And they're all high risk, low reward, right? They wear out. You got to replace them. We enjoy them for a little bit. Then the new model comes out. Oh, man, it's exhausting. Or you have an investment strategy in eternity that lasts forever and ever and ever. Now, here's what we need to ask ourselves. Okay, so he's saying two bank accounts, one on earth, one in heaven. How do we invest in heaven? Right? How do we invest long term? How do we invest in heaven? Here it is. Since God, his mission, and his people are eternal, whatever is used for his mission in the world is eternally valuable. Eternally valuable. That means every dollar you give Every ounce of effort, every sacrifice for the kingdom of God. Jesus even said it like this. Every cup of cold water to a person who's needy makes a literal deposit into your eternal bank account. Your eternal bank account is something where you can make a deposit in eternity, when you get to heaven, when you get to the new heavens and the new earth, there will be something there for you to enjoy. I don't know how, what it means. I don't know what it, but that's what Jesus taught. And Jesus is saying, for the steward, for the wise person, for the Christian, they maximize their benefits by pouring their resources into their heavenly account. Now, I want to show you from Jesus here in this these three verses, two benefits, two benefits to heavenly investing. And I think there's two benefits that I've never talked about before at Sacred City. And honestly, one of them, I've already just mentioned, it kind of makes me nervous. It's often, it's a truism, right? You, it's a truism in our society. We've, we've heard it said many times. There's even songs about it that you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse, right? That is meant to get the point across that none of us 
can take our money or our possessions with us into eternity. Right? That iPhone stays with, stays with our body here on earth. People are going to be fighting about it. Your 401k, whatever's left of it, stays here to ruin your kids' lives. They can fight over it, can argue about it, or you got it all written out, whatever it is. They can buy their, their next car with it, whatever. You can't take your money with you. We are only stewards. We die and we leave it all behind. Now listen, that's not what Jesus is teaching us here. Jesus is teaching us something far deeper. Jesus says, in effect, here it is. You cannot take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Now, this is a command from Jesus. He says, don't invest in this earth very much, but lay up, lay up treasures in heaven. He's telling us, I want you to pad that bank account. I want you to fill up that bank account. I want you to, to manage the resources that, that God the Father gives us. And one of the things I want you to do with those resources is I want you to channel them up into your heavenly bank account. He's saying, don't waste it all on you and your immediate needs. Deposit some of it into your heavenly bank account so that you will be able to enjoy it for eternity. There is some kind of, he's not just saying give to the mission of God because it's good for the world. There is some kind of self-satisfaction meant in it. It's going to be good for you. Just like the investment guy that says, put away money now so that when you retire, you'll have money to enjoy. Jesus is using the same mentality and he's saying, put away money now. Put it into your heavenly bank account so that you will have it there in eternity. It's fascinating to me. People are always looking for safe places to put their money that are going to produce a high, like a high reward, right? A high long-term reward. I want it safe, but I want, high, I want the high return as well. Jesus says, there is only one safe place to put your money, and that is the kingdom of God, and its yield is eternal. Now, the second benefit to heavenly investing is actually pretty shocking. We see it clearly in verse 21. Look at verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, this is often used kind of in the reverse way. People often say, well, I can see where your heart is by where your money goes. It's true that way as well. 
Let me see your checkbook or your bank account or your direct deposits, or your withdrawals, and I can tell you where your money goes. If you're spending this much money on all your kids' sports and you're not giving anything to the church, well, I can cl clearly see where your money's at and I can clearly see where your heart's at. Now, that's okay. You can use it that way, but that's not the way Jesus uses it here in this text. Jesus says, wherever your money goes, there goes your heart. Jesus is in effect saying, here's the second benefit for heavenly investing. You can determine where your heart goes. You can determine where your heart goes. People often say, well, my heart just wasn't in it. Well, Jesus says, if you want your heart in it, put some money in it. That's how you determine where your heart goes. Our heart doesn't go to just what we value. Sometimes what we value determines where our heart goes. You say, I just don't feel that close to God. You will never have a full heart for God if you aren't making consistent and sacrificial investments into his account, into that heavenly account. Your heart will always be where your money is and it will always not be where your money isn't. What's that mean for us? It means sometimes you don't wait around for your, heart to begin, for your heart to get into it, you tell your heart where to go by sending your money to the kingdom of God. Now listen, this isn't just true for money. We've got other treasures as well. If you want your heart to be in your missional community, you have got to make big investments. You've got to invest your time and invest your commitment and invest your emotions and you've got to be relationally invested in a group of people if you want your heart to be in it. Now, two benefits. One, you can't take your money with you but you can send it on ahead. That just blows my mind. The second one, your money, by using your money wisely, by sending it to the kingdom of God, by putting it in God's heavenly bank account, you can tell your heart where to go. I'm gonna pause right here. Parents, in the discipleship of your children, are you teaching your children this? Are, your are you teaching your children to make long-term investments into the kingdom of God? If you're not, don't be surprised if they walk away from God in their teen years or in their college years. 
You've been teaching them their whole life to invest in now, invest in sports, invest in their education, invest in what matters now and not in the kingdom of God. And so when we see them walk away, they're doing what you've trained them to do their entire life. I didn't raise them like that. Yes, you did. You had taught them to be Esau their whole life. Invest in what feels good now. Invest in what pays off now. Invest in what you can wear and what you can put on and what you can drive. That's what really matters when Jesus says the exact opposite. This, uh, this stuff right now matters far less than the eternal rewards offered in the eternal heavenly treasury. If you could look at your life right now, you could assess yourself. You could ask a diagnostic question right now. Are you a good steward of God's money? Are you making consistent, sacrificial deposits into that heavenly account? Or are you burning through every penny, depositing in it in the treasures of earth? Would Jesus say to you right now, you've been faithful over little, I'll make you a ruler over much? Or would he say, you have been a foolish steward? Now listen, everything I've shared this morning is true and it's good, practical, spiritual advice and you'd be wise to hear it, but the problem is many of us can't do it. We don't believe Jesus. Some, we think in our mind that we can come to Jesus for forgiveness and somehow we can trust in Jesus for forgiveness, but we can't really trust in Jesus like there's actually an eternal bank account, that there's actually resources there for us to draw on in the future. We just can't believe that. Why? Because Jesus is going to tell us in the coming weeks, we are enslaved to the treasures on earth. We're slaves. I felt like a slave many times. That new thing comes out, you just, oh! It's a fight to resist it. It's a fight to resist that $6 coffee. It's a fight to resist that extra package of cable. It's a fight to resist whatever the thing is. Why is it so hard to resist? Why can I get a raise and it's gone? It's a fight. Why? We are enslaved. This is no laughing matter. It will have eternal ramifications. We're going to take a look in the coming weeks, but for now, let me give you one verse that if you understand it, if you believe it, if you take it into your soul and meditate on it, it will completely change you from the inside out. And it will transform you into, here it is, a Christian, a.k.a., also known as, 
a radically generous person, a person who is a good steward of God's resources. Here is how you go from greedy to generous. Here's how it happens, all right? To go from a person who pours everything into the treasures on earth to putting long-term investment into the eternal bank account. Here it is, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, how is Jesus rich? He's the son of God. He is co-owner of it all. Yet, for your sake, He became poor. I don't think we will ever know the depths of that statement right there. Even in heaven, I don't think we're going to understand it. Eternally rich, owning it all, comes to this earth in the womb of a poor, unwed woman in the Middle East be born among animals. You, you know, we have no record of Jesus. Have, and Jesus, what he say? I don't have a house. He's an adult man. He's working hard. He's a carpenter. I don't have a house. Right? Jesus didn't have the things that we think are mandatory. He didn't have a retirement account. Right? Or he had an eternal one. He didn't have all the things that we think are absolutely necessary and to think that he owns it all and yet he gave it all up and he willingly became poor in this life so that you, us, by his poverty might become rich. Now, of course, that does not mean physically rich. He's talking about spiritually rich. That we could be invited into the family of God where our father now owns it all and one day we get to inherit the earth with him again. That we are giving up earthly riches for a while because we are going to inherit earthly riches in the future. The whole earth completely restored and we get to co-heir it and co-rule it with Christ. See, that's the mentality we've got to have. And what motivates us? Look at our Savior owned it all, gave it all up so that he could have us. That was a bad investment. <laughs> so that we could become rich in him, rich in God, rich in community, rich in purpose, rich in love. Jesus says in other places, a person can't give up a house, they can't give up money without getting a hundredfold on this earth. What does that mean? That doesn't mean you get a hundred homes. That means you get a hundred friends and they all have their houses and you can go enjoy each and every one of them in community and on mission together. It's how God blesses us here in this world. Meditate on that verse. Take it in. Now listen, here's the deal. 
There's an illustration that I use often. Jesus talked about our hearts and they, our hearts can be in different conditions like soils. They can be hard and if our hearts are hard, the word of God goes to our heart and it just bounces off. And the illustration that I often use is it's like throwing a ping pong ball at a statue. Boom, it just bounces off. That scripture, if money is your God, more than likely, that is just going to bounce off of you. You're just setting your watch and going, okay, I can come back to church in six more weeks. I pray that the Holy Spirit this morning would cause you to reevaluate your life. Cause you to reevaluate the way you use your finances, the way you use your money. That you wouldn't resist him. He's not trying to get something from you. He's really trying to get something to you. Through his poverty, you can become spiritually rich. You're never going to get those spiritually riches, those spiritual riches until you can open up your hands and allow God to funnel his resources through you. I want you to think about that this morning as I pray. Father, I'm thankful for what Jesus has done for us. We can't give just to get. We can't bend your hand in any way. The only reason we can give is because you first gave for us. The first step of the gospel isn't giving things for God, it's receiving something from God. And we receive that through the finished work of Jesus Christ, that he lived the life that we should have lived and died the death that we deserve so that we could have the riches that he possesses, so that we could know God, so that we could love one another. Father, I pray that you would free us who are enslaved to the God of money. You would free us and you would fill us with a joyful heart of a steward who loves to give to what's eternal, your mission, your kingdom, your church, the discipleship of the nations, the planting of churches, the renewal of cities. Father, that you would stir us up to make deposits into that eternal bank account for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.